0: Thought, you know what, it might be good to get some perspective on this because I don't know if I was thinking the right way about it. And so I just thought this might be a fun opportunity to have a conversation. So David and John, thanks for being up here with us. Are your microphones turned on? That's important.
1: I yes. I hope so.
0: They're on, I that's a good start. So. I think so. All right, so David, I've, here's, my, here's my first question. Um, as I'm reading through this, I'm just kind of shocked at how they could not see Jesus forever. I find it fascinating that as much as they knew Jesus, as as much as he was standing next to them, they still couldn't see him or recognize him. Now, seeing Jesus is different than recognizing him. Um, I can see you, but there might be part of you that I just don't know. And so I don't recognize part of your nature. And I'm wondering if something like that's going on, but here's the question. Why couldn't they recognize Jesus on the walk? Um, it says their eyes were prevented from seeing Jesus or recognizing him. The word is "creteo." It simply means to be arrested or seized. Their eyes were seized, arrested, so they couldn't see him. What prevented them?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's not explicitly given in the scripture, but I think there's a couple things at play here. Um, and you mentioned them just as you were as you were speaking. the The first is um, that. They were, they were filled with doubt. They had a fog of doubt. They had a, a fog of despair, even depression maybe. And sometimes uh, when we experience those things, we're actually blinded to the truth in front of us. And so when we find ourselves in a darkness, it's actually a lot harder to see the light than you may think. And so that could be what's at play here is maybe they're um, so depressed, they're so uh, filled with doubt that our Savior's dead and we don't know what to do with this. So... Uh, we would be silly to think that this was him because he's in the tomb, you know? So that's one hand. On the other hand is kind of this idea of a veil. And we see that all throughout scripture where Jesus veils his presence from his people um, in different aspects. And so you mentioned Mary Magdalene and how she was veiled from seeing him because you would think, like you mentioned, that after having a life-changing encounter with Jesus, like she did, getting demons cast out of her, you would think that, she would know who he was. But it wasn't until he lifted the veil by saying Martha. um, Mary. Or Mary, sorry, I don't know why I said (laughs) Martha. And Martha. (laughs) And Martha, different story, sorry. But by saying Mary, uh, then then that was lifted. And so we even see this later on. Uh, Peter and the disciples are fishing, right? And Jesus is close enough on the shore to say, children, what are you doing or have you caught anything? Which is interesting that they wouldn't recognize him calling them children. But, uh, and then he says, throw the nets on the other side. And so they do that. And as soon as they catch the fish, they're like, that's the Lord. And so I think there's two things here. There's the doubt and depression, uh, despair, but there's also, um, this veil that I believe Jesus could have put over their eyes until the right time at the table to say, Hey, I'm this is me. That's really There there was one historical thing as we were, we were talking about this this
2: week. Um, I think what we don't realize is the Jews had no idea there was a suffering savior. You mentioned it just a few minutes ago that he was going to come back and conquer Rome and all this stuff. And so to see him was a little bit, uh, not what they were expecting. And so they missed what was right in front of them. And that could have been just as simple as, uh, Jesus wasn't coming back, so there's no point in their brain that they could do that.
0: Absolutely. And I liked what you said, that, that doubt is a major player. Doubt is always sourced in a perception that to you feels like reality, even if it's not, right? So I've used the phrase before, perception is reality, unless reality changes your perception. Um, and so I think I, that, so how, do, how do we, we're not in the story, right? Sometimes it's hard to apply their experience to our experience. But the follow-up question very quickly, what are, what are some doubts that enter our minds, that prevent us right now at Brookside from recognizing Jesus' work in our life? Anything come to mind?
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that can create that doubt. Uh, Whether we find ourselves in a situation where we know that God is faithful, but we're in a situation where we're like, it doesn't feel like it. Like money's not there or whatever it is. And and so I think doubt is, is anytime we turn our attention away from who Jesus is, doubt can easily creep in and and keep us from seeing Jesus for who he is. So it's the
0: unfortunate tragic story of a young mother who has been praying for years for a child. She gets pregnant and then there's a miscarriage and she's asking the question, how could a good God that I've been praying to, who I believe is faithful, let this happen. It's how could I go to the doctor after I've been uh, so consistent on health? and, um, staying active and exercise and good eating. And I get that diagnosis. Why would God in a sense, potentially cut my life short when he had the power. And so I can imagine how doubt would enter our minds. And even though we believe in Jesus, it might be hard for us to recognize him in our life. So, I mean, when, when they're on the road, John, um, Jesus goes through not just his physical presence there. He goes through old Testament prophecy. I mean, I don't know how long that conversation took. it had to be a lot right but i bet they were listening with rapt attention and yet all of that still didn't open their eyes why did the breaking of the bread at the table work and the other stuff which seems to which in my mind would make more sense to work not work
2: wow so i have a little bit of a sunday school answer i'm going to start with And, and i i shared this with you guys the other day i think i think there's more mystery behind the, what the Holy Spirit does or doesn't do then we realize. And so then we give it credit. And so uh, 2 Corinthians 3.16 through 18, and David, you referenced this idea of a veil. And I think there's the moment where the veil is lifted and we see things as they are. Um, you, you ever hear the term rose-colored glasses? Sometimes I think these disciples had some rose-colored glasses that were unwilling to see what God was doing here. Um, and I think right now their glasses change and their vision changes when they break bread. So um, let me read from 2 Corinthians chapter three, verse 16 through 18. But when, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. That's pretty simple right there, okay? Now the Lord is spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we, with all unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed in the same image of one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. You know, sometimes I, I feel like the Bible's a little bit like a novel and there's little clues and there's little moments and connections that lead to Jesus. And in this case, I think the clues lead to a few different things. I, I think it leads to the importance of meals together. When we're breaking bread, he was breaking bread with them. That was a, a moment of communion as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it was a meal, but there was communion that was happening. Um, in community together and the importance of having Jesus-centered homes. But I think... There's something deeper here because, I don't know, Jesus waited until they broke bread to reveal himself. I mean, there's something important about people gathering around a table. The table is at the center of our worship center today. And I think there's something sacred about breaking of a fast Many of us haven't ever experienced a long fast and then having a meal together. Um, And so the significance can be lost on us for those that go hungry on a daily basis. And I think Jesus waited till that moment to say, this is who I am. And you notice he disappeared right away. That's what I thought was interesting. When I read that, I'm like, why did he just disappear? I think once we have that aha moment, we don't need to see his physical presence. We just look in the word and... Oh, all the clues lead to this conclusion. And I think that's what's so important about it.
0: He has the ability of putting the puzzle pieces of our life together, which in the moment feel like they're all disjointed, not connected, and putting them together so that we can see the picture as it is. And then we have that aha moment. I know I've had those too, and I I look back on those as something of a marker, which we just talked about as a way of Jesus reminding me that he is alive and well and active in my life. Uh, David, one of the things that I found interesting, it's it was a phrase used that they mentioned of themselves after they recognized Jesus. It says, we're not our hearts burning within us as we walked on the way. What does it mean for your heart to be burning within you?
1: Yeah, again, this is a, this is a thing where it doesn't tell us what exactly they were feeling other than that burn. And so, uh, I wonder if they they were experiencing some anticipation or some excitement of, as they're on that seven mile journey, because that's, that's a long time to talk, to unpack the scriptures. As they're on that journey, uh, maybe they're starting to wonder, like, could this be Jesus? Like, is he really standing right in front of us? And their hearts are beginning to burn with this idea of, wow, this could be the Messiah, risen to life, he's our savior, but no one's going to be bold enough in that in that walk to say, "Are you Jesus?" because then they would look like a fool if they were wrong and so I think that's the kind of burning that they were experiencing uh, just from reading that and i was I was thinking about this from our perspective, like what does it look like to walk with a burning heart with anticipation uh, with excitement and and really, I find it in two facets of our life, and really it's all the same life, but I'm gonna split it in two because that's how we tend to think about things. So there's our Sunday morning life, right? That's when we come in this space, we gather, we worship, we can come in here with anticipation, with excitement, uh, with expectation, or we can come in with a veiled face. Um, And through that scripture, we know that we don't need to come in with a veiled face, but I think oftentimes we can come into spaces like this without the burning in our hearts, to experience the living God. Uh, the second is throughout the week, the rest of the week. And we have the opportunity through the Holy Spirit and through the blood of Jesus to encounter that anticipation, that um, that excitement, that expectation to see a move of God in our lives every moment of every day. Part
0: of, part of worship on Sunday morning is to create some of that right. burning heart. Right. Like, okay, I'm singing about this kind of God. If that really is true, yeah. And that's a great God that I get to worship.
1: Right. And I think it's a, it's a cycle. You know, if I'm living my life, like tomorrow morning, do I truly believe that God can move in my life? Do I believe that Jesus is going to display his power in my life? Do I believe that the Holy Spirit is really going to show up in, in all of the different areas of life? That then is going to fuel me to come into a space like this with excitement, anticipation, with a burning in my soul to encounter a move of God on a, on a communal aspect. But then that communal aspect then fuels the weekly aspect. And so really that's why it's all of life because that burning uh, should be the posture of our hearts because we, we uh, they were longing for a Messiah, right? We're longing for a return Messiah. And so our cry is the same. It's that same anticipation, that same expectation of like, I wanna see God
0: move. That's the hope that we believe is way more than wishful thinking. It is right. based in truth uh, and experience. And yeah. so that's, one of the things that I, I appreciate. I wish I had more time to get into this is after they experience and recognize Jesus, it says that he disappeared. And then they said, weren't our hearts burning within us? And then they got up and now this is at night are not supposed to walk, especially in the countryside at night, that's dangerous. They already walked seven miles that day. The Bible says they hurriedly left and went back to the 11 in Jerusalem. Another seven mile hike at night. I get this sense of urgency that they're like, you know what, we can't wait until morning. Where's that urgency come from?
2: So, so there's, there's a couple things I realize about this. One is that Jesus is all the promises of the Old Testament kept, and that finally clicked for them. They realized it. And that the resurrection turns the grief and the loss that they felt, the depression or the doubt, um, into the, the resurrection is our hearts burning to share with others about Jesus Christ. So I just want to read some scripture. I mean, we we talked about this this week. And I think this, this answers the question from the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians. I mean, we just need to just think about this. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 through 11, gives this urgency from Paul. And Paul saw Jesus after them, but he was just as excited as they were. And he says, for I delivered to you as of first importance, the first thing, the first importance, what I also received, that Jesus Christ died for your sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He's telling us he fulfilled everything. He is the Messiah. And then he says that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and then he gets to, Paul gets to himself. And Paul says, last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But, But listen to this. He says... But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and by his grace towards me was not only in vain. But on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Whether it was I or they, this is what is so important. This is the urgency here, Eric. I mean, so that we preach and so you believed. That's it. It's as simple as that. I mean, I think on the Emmaus Road, they went to go preach so that others would believe. They wanted to tell the disciples that had scattered a little bit and then got back together and were hiding, believe he's alive. And I think that's what the message is here. There's this urgency that we can't contain it within. There's a burning in our souls. And then on the other hand, we're also like, okay,
0: maybe we don't see it yet, but we know the truth, we know we believe. You know, I'm, I I love that urgency, that passion that Paul expresses there, which you just did right there. I don't know if we can have that kind of urgency to preach, not necessarily with words, but with our life, if we haven't first recognized Jesus. Because yes. if you don't recognize Jesus, you'll never have that urgency. And so I'm praying for Brookside right now that they will be reminded through the Holy Spirit of an experience they had with Jesus that reminds them that they are, he is real, he is alive, and to recognize his work in their life. And that, that's why we have communion because Jesus says do this in remembrance. Because when you remember back to an event that was a marker for you, you can remind yourself that he's not just alive, but he's with you and he's in you and he's moving around you. And that's what we're gonna do today. I find it fascinating guys that 10 weeks ago, we started with some scraps. We started with wood that was just milled off of a tree, just cut, it was rough, you couldn't use it. It'd be better to just burn if it was gonna stay in that. But then over the course of time, it turns into a table that's not just beautiful, but useful. And maybe that's the marker that people need to remember. Here's who I used to be. And this is how Jesus stepped into my life and transformed me from a pile of useless, rough cut wood into something that is useful and beautiful in his sight. And maybe that's the marker you remember. What's your salvation story? Where's the moment that Jesus met you on that road to Emmaus when you were so confused, so lost, so frustrated, your whole world just fell apart before you. And all of a sudden Jesus showed up and reminded you, no, no, I'm alive and I'm active and I'm in your life. And, um, I remember when my wife and I were first pregnant with Olivia, when she was first pregnant with Olivia,
2: you were pregnant too, whatever.
0: Okay. Um, And when we first found out that was nothing but sheer joy, right? And then as she, as the belly grew and so forth, it began to be more and more real. The excitement, the anticipation began to grow. Something in our hearts began to burn of the anticipation of our daughter coming. And then it was time for the birth to happen. And then it was a whole whirlwind. And then she was there. And then all we could do is say, all of our friends and family, you've got to come and see what was just birthed. And I'm wondering if that's what Jesus wants to do. Wants us to remind us of what he is building in us. And when that event happens of we have become a new creation, there's been something that's been birthed. He says, I was there. Now go tell everybody what's happened. And so that's what we're gonna do today. And so guys, here's the instructions. Uh, The worship band is gonna come up They're going to come out and we're going to sing some more worship, Uh, but we're also going to take communion. Now you notice it's a little bit different today. We have real communion today, actual bread, Um, and we've got the juice with us.